It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 261, entitled Mucho Intro. It was recorded on Monday, the 17th of July, 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined in a few moments by my three guests. I'm joined today by Michelle Frechette, by Christine Clowder, and by Tiffany Bridge. It's a WordPress podcast, so what do we do? Well, we talk about WordPress. We talk about the upcoming Page Builder Summit and the fact that we're looking for some sponsorship deals. We also talk about some upcoming shows that I've got with Patrick Posner from Simply Static and also Pichineri about UI and UX in the show that we do. Then we get on to the WordPress news. We talk about the unveiled plans for phase three, real-time collaboration and updates to the media library as well as the admin interface. There's a lot planned for WordPress and the back end. We then get into an episode that I talked about with Carrie Dills. It was an episode on the WP Tavern website all about internationalizing your WordPress code, not website. There's going to be an upcoming 6.3 live demo with Rich Tabor and Anne McCarthy, managed by yours truly. That's coming up later this week as well. And then we talk about the inaugural set of mentors and mentees who've been selected for the Experimental Mentorship Programme. And there's a whole lot more about security as well and whether or not your location data should be private. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward slash WP builds. <laughs> so, okay, I'm learning, lifelong learner. Turns out this video platform allows you to pick two videos if you want to <laughs> at the introduction. There's a little checkbox and normally you tick one. And obviously I had that one previously ticked and then I ticked the other one. Anyway, sorry for the, uh, I've met subjecting you to two, two videos there. Apologies. It's this week in WordPress. We're on episode three billion and four, something like that. Um, I'm joined, as you can see, by three fabulous guests today. I hope you're all doing fine wherever you are in the world. Let's find out who they are and what their relationship is to WordPress. I've got the I've got the usual bio for Michelle. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good. I did add my latest endeavor to that bio, though. So. Did you? I don't know if I I've got did. it. So if, if I haven't refreshed the page, I will quickly do it now and let's see. It's if it just adding up. WP speakers. I just added WP speakers. Oh, okay. Well, if I forget it, you just chuck it right in at the end. So, I Michelle Frechette, there she is. <laughs> Uh, is the Director of Community Engagement for Stella WP at Liquid Web. In addition to her work at Stella WP, Michelle is the podcast barista at WP Coffee Talk, co-founder of Underrepresented in Tech, creator of WPSpeakers.com and WPCareerPages.com. She's the president of the board for Big Orange Heart, director of community relations and contributor at Post Status, author business coach and frequent organizer and speaker at WordPress events. She lives outside Rochester, New York, where she's an avid nature photographer. You can find out more if you go to meet Michelle online. Every time I read that, Michelle, I read the words lives outside Rochester, New York. 
What does that mean? Does it mean like there's Rochester and you're just like 10 feet away or something? A bit of suburb. A Um, suburb of Rochester. But nobody's ever heard of Hilton, New York. And if you Google Hilton, New York, you will find every Hilton hotel in New York State before you find my town. Oh, so the town where you live is actually called Hilton, but that just collides with the biggest hotel chain in the world. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, yeah, so so anyway, that's bit of Rochester, New York. It makes sense. That'll do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could amend that. She lives in a small suburb of Rochester, New York, called it. No, let's not bother. Uh, we're also joined. Let's, oh, I got it wrong. Always get it wrong. There's Tiffany. It's hard. Tiffany Bridge. How are you doing, Tiffany? <laughs> I'm well. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Apart from all the calamities that this platform is causing for me, but who cares? Let's press on regardless. <laughs> Um, very nice, succinct bio from Tiffany, although let's see if we can drag some more out of her. It just says this, Tiffany Bridge is the product manager at Nexus. Anything you want to add? Is that the lot? I mean, I'm the product manager at Nexus, which is a lot crammed into like four words, right? And I'm also the co-organizer of the WordPress DC meetup that we are trying to resuscitate. Um, but the truth is, I just am not as impressive as Michelle. So not considerably less. She is the do not panic, the don't panic person. And I'm all the, the sky is falling. So oh, opposite that that's cool, actually. I am, I in some situations, I am the, the, the sky is falling in person. But in situations where there's like, I don't know, like an, a medical emergency or something where it truly matters. I get, su- I'm super calm. But anything else, like, I don't know, we've run out of printer paper. <laughs> well, specifically when it comes to websites, Tiffany's like, don't panic. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, the white screen of death ever will I do. Oh, that's great. You need, <laughs> you need somebody calm and Tiffany is the calm person. Oh, that's lovely. So there you go. We can add to it. Uh, she's also very calm. That's lovely. And what, let me see if I can get, oh, I'm doing it wrong again. Over there, suffering somewhat from video sort of jittery gremlins, but we're going to carry on regardless. Who cares? Is Christine Clowder. How are you doing, Christine? I'm doing well. Thank you. I genuinely, I apologize. I have no idea what's happening to my video, but, uh, you know, know every other frame is fine. When we do these things, and I, I read up quite a lot on, you know, blogging and vlogging and all that kind of thing, the one thing that you can't have not work is the audio. The video's kind of, yeah, it'd be nice if it worked, but the, the audio is the thing and your audio is coming through fine, but the, the video right. is a little bit glitchy, but there's, you know, it's p- perfectly serviceable. Her um, video's better than Tim Nash a few weeks ago, though. Yes. Well, that was hysterical. <laughs> Every time we put Tim Nash on the screen, it was frozen. So whatever he was doing when we brought him on the screen, he just stayed like that. And so we played the games. I'm frozen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Christine, she yeah, wins I was the say. award for best microphone, though. Can we agree with that? It's oh, look at that. It lights right. up. Oh, it I does. feel really good now. Yeah, I don't, but I to round out uh, this uh, lovely group, I'm actually the arbiter of chaos. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I second that. Chaos. We say yeah. that about you. Yeah. yeah. So just just to give you some context, Christine is the field marketing manager for Nexus. And for those of conspiracy theorists out there who will no doubt say, the show's been taken out, the booking system is open to anybody that I send it to. It's complete coincidence. 
that we managed to get these three fine people on the show today, all on the same show. But anyway, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. We'll talk a little bit about WordPress in just a moment. Let's see if anybody's dropping into the live chat. Just so that you can have some context around that, if you if you are looking to share this on social media or something like that, that's probably uh, the best URL to send people to, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. If you do that, uh, then people are going to be able to use YouTube comments, so they'll need a Google account. Um, if they're not on a Google account and you're watching in something like, I don't know, Facebook, for example, you're going to need to give this platform permission to allow us to see who you are. And in order to do that, just pop open a tab, type in wave.video forward slash lives forward slash Facebook in this case, and hopefully that'll allow us to see who you are. But yeah, please go share it. That'd be really nice. Cameron is joining us. Hi, Cameron. From an extremely windy Brighton. Yes, I know the meaning of windy. Yesterday, my son was playing in a in a, a festival. He's drumming. And uh, we parked the car in the car park. And about, you know, 20 meters away was a giant trampoline. Uh, came back. Guess where the trampoline was? <laughs> yeah. On the car? Right on the car. Oh. Oh my just, goodness. It wouldn't have been better. Yeah, lovely. Anyway, I know the meaning of the word windy. So uh, thanks for joining us, Cameron. Always appreciated. Good morning, says Maya. She's coming from Melting Belgrade. Yeah, this is making the news here, Maya. I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world, but in Southern Europe at the minute, the temperatures have gone absolutely berserkers. Uh, in the UK, we've still got the somewhat ridiculous, I don't know, single figures degrees centigrade. But in the rest of Europe, it's really hot. And so let's find out from the weather report that Peter Ingersoll brings us every week. Good morning from now sunny Connecticut. The northeast US has significant rains and flooding over the weekend. It will be quite hot. Today. Oh, that's really hot. Good luck, Peter. Stay inside. Stay out of the, uh, stay out of there. And we're also being joined by Courtney Robertson from Smoky Gettysburg. Smoky as in Canada smoke. Is that what we're mm -hmm. talking about there? Yeah, we're getting that here too. Oh, oh, yeah. Next comment makes that point. Canadian wildfire hazy drafting this way. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also, I think we've got somebody new. I don't know that we've... Have we come across Tony Gerling? I before? don't know, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Very Tony. nice to have you with us um, from sunny Aldermaston in the UK. Well, that's lovely. Tony, if you fancy sharing it, like I said, wpbuilds.com forward slash live is the place to go for that. Okay. So we're going to talk about WordPressy things. Uh, do excuse the somewhat self-promotional beginning to this show because I've got a few things going on and, you know, why not? Um, so let's put that on the screen. The first thing to mention is this is our website, wpbuilds.com. If you would like to uh, subscribe to what we do, then there's a little email link. You can see it just there. If you fill out the, uh, fill out the email form, we'll send you a couple of emails each week when we produce new content. Thanks to GoDaddy Pro for helping support us and keep the podcast on the air. That's been really good um, over the last year. Really appreciate everything that they've done to help that sh help this show and the other ones that I do keep going. Bravo. And you can see down here that, you know, I'm clearly after some more sponsorship because the Page Builder Summit version six is coming down the pike pretty soon. It's going to be in September. So we're a couple of months away and we're looking for some sponsors to help us put that event on. 
If you fancy that, if you think your company, even if you're just curious about it, then you could go to this page. It's wpbuilds.com forward slash sponsors. There's a little chat widget there. That'll get you straight through to me. And, uh, and I can talk through all of the options and what have you. So yeah, go and check that out. I'm most appreciative to anybody who wishes to do that. That'd be great. Okay. There's another somewhat self-promotional bit a little bit later, but for now, let's get on to the WordPressy stuff. So lots and lots from WP Tavern this week. Sarah Gooding obviously is the writer over there and she is sharing this first story. WordPress unveils plans for real time collaboration with major improvements to revisions and the media library. If you're following along on the screen, you can see that I've kind of highlighted different bits. This is the story that essentially we've been going through the four phases of Gutenberg. Phase two has been rounded off. That was all about, um, well, let's not go into all that. Let's focus on the future. Phase three can be summed up as really real-time collaboration, but there's quite a few other bits and pieces that have been bolted into that as well. Uh, workflows, revisions, and, and, and amendments to the media library, and maybe that'll be something we'll talk about later. Uh, the idea really is that we'll get something in Gutenberg, or WordPress, I should say, which will be akin to Google Docs. You log in, your pals log in, your colleagues log in, and you can all look at the same document at the same time. Uh, if you've been using WordPress with colleagues for any length of time, you'll know the frustration of seeing that a piece of content is currently being edited. You're basically locked out. It's a contrivance. It's, you know, it stops things getting screwed up, but, uh, but it's not exactly usable in this day and age. I think these days everybody's working on these kind of collaborative docs. And Matthias Ventura has uh, put together a, a tiny little video of what the concept of this may look like. I mean, it, it's really, it really is the bare bones of an idea. But if you're looking at the screen, you can see an interface where essentially two people are clearly editing this page. Uh, they've got little icons which seem to actually have the ability to roll around the page. So rather than just being in Google Docs where you can see where they're, which word they're in, and if they've highlighted things, this looks a bit more like some sort of graphic design tool where you can literally see where their cursor is resting at that moment. So that's kind of interesting. So you could see if somebody I was, was thinking of it, it looked like Miro. Yeah, yeah, right. I use another app called uh, Whimsical, which has this same kind of mm -hmm. behavior. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's going to be a big thing. One of the things that they're at pains to point out is they really want to make this work on any kind of hosting. Obviously, hosting is not all equal. If you're paying $20,000 a month for some hosting, you're going to expect that to be full of grunt. But if you're on more affordable, let's say $3 a month hosting or $5 a month hosting, how is this going to manage with that? Um, but it's hoped to go a little bit further. You can see bits that I've highlighted here. Uh, it's going to hopefully do things like include a publishing checklist, be able to share draft links with permission controls. So before you publish a post. This is cool, right? You think of the things that you could do with this. Um, draft a post and then share it, but share different bits with different people so that, I don't know, Tiffany can access this bit, Michelle can access this bit, a version control system as well. Again, if you're looking at the screen, you can see all of that. Uh, let's talk about that bit first, this collaborative editing. Then we'll come to some, some of the other things, the, the media library and so on. Honestly, are you going to use this or is WordPress more of a publishing tool where you go in, amend things on a website, 
Uh, is this worth it? Is this worth I, the I like it. I think hmm. that um, me personally, I'm just a minor freelancer and going in to be able to show my um, customer or whoever's, you know, wanting me to build a site, I can go in and have him self-manage because I, I generally just build it and then leave it up to them uh, to handle after that. So I can show them, hey, this is where you would change that. So doing that kind of live training um, would be helpful. I was just thinking... Like as a person who has done client work, even if the only thing that people get out of this is that like you never have to ask a client, can you please get out of the document so I can go in and see what right. you're talking about? Yeah. Like that by itself is reason for this to exist. Uh, but I think all the other stuff is going to be fun too. I mean, like how often do we send, you know, um, Google Docs around the office and ask people to collaborate and comment and like our um like our marketing team uses notion to collaborate on documents and wouldn't it be cool if they could collaborate directly in wordpress yeah i think so do, do you think tiffany though that would there would be any do, could you see your team so let's imagine that notion is the tool forever and ever and you're never going to move away from that it's just brilliant and i know it is really brilliant could you see yourself transitioning into a wordpress website uh, to do like team stuff in other words, you're using it almost like Notion. It's got nothing to do with what's ever going to go out on the public-facing internet. It's just draft documents and things like that. Or does that seem a stretch too far? I mean, because a lot of businesses already have like Google Docs um, and or Notion, I don't necessarily know that they're going to migrate away from that just for like non-published collaboration. But let me tell you that I am absolutely certain, just having worked a couple of years at Automatic, that they will be using this for that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because they, okay. that is a, they, like, I am sure that they will be doing this simply because there's just a lot of like dog fooding that happens there. And the whole company already runs on P2. So um, like, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't find interesting ways to adapt this kind of situation for that. Can I jump in too? Is, is I have, and I do some freelancing on the side as well. And then I usually teach my clients how to manage some of things, the things for themselves, like blog posting and things like that, or they want to swap out an image on whatever page. And I share over Zoom and I show them and then I get out of it and then they have to log in so that I can watch them do it. And, and if we were instead working real time together on the same, in, on the same post, I could watch them do it. They could watch me do it. We'd have to do this back and forth, log in, log out of the pages in order for them to be able to learn. So I think it could be a really good educational tool for one-on-one -on -one, um, training on WordPress as well. Interesting. So I, I've never really, well, certainly not for a long time, worked uh, as part of a bigger team. It's usually just been me as a freelancer. So I can't kind of fit myself into the jigsaw of where teams might use this. But for example, for this podcast, we have a custom app, custom Laravel app which allows us to share show notes. Now, it's got lots and lots of drawbacks in that essentially the bits and pieces that go into the show notes, which Michelle and Tiffany and Christine can see, I will then have to copy and paste into the WordPress post, which will be created for this podcast. So really, I'm, doubled, I'm doubling the amount of work I've got to do. If I could put those into a shared post and invite Tiffany and invite Michelle and Christine, and they could look at that, and then I could just, you know, when the show's over, just delete bits that weren't relevant or bits that we didn't talk about or add some links in. And then that becomes my blog post. That seems 
like really useful. But again, I guess if you're working in a big team of, I don't know, let's say you're working for TechCrunch or something like that. I understand TechCrunch use WordPress, but they've got dozens and dozens of staff writers and they must be constantly leaving things in a draft state or somebody goes on holiday and that piece needs to be finished. That then seems like it would be perfect. You know, we've got five people that need to knock heads together to get this piece out. Let's just all log in, join in on the doc, delete what we don't want, add what we want. And then finally, somebody gets the permission to uh, to publish it. And that seems like part of this as well. There seems to be a big piece around permissions to do things. So like I said, Christine could get in and do this, but Michelle could get in and delete what she did, but not the other way around. And then maybe Christine has the ability to finally click publish, but Michelle doesn't. Those kind of things all seem, yeah, really interesting. Um, I can't. The, the, the reason I was saying all that is because I framed it as a Google Doc at the beginning, but I guess they serve totally different purposes, uh, really. Okay, let's Maybe talk a little ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you want to say something else, uh, Tiffany? Sorry. That was all I had to say. I was just yeah. agreeing with you, Nathan. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's finally somebody. <laughs> you, can, you can come <laughs> do back. Do more of that. Yeah, yeah, do more of that. <laughs> uh, that's great. No, so let's just carry on with that little piece. So... We got halfway through it, and now we're talking about the media library. Uh, I, do you know what? There are bits of the media library that I can totally live with, but it really does seem like it's a little bit out of date. When it came out, I think it was revolutionary and pretty amazing, but not so much anymore. It's a little bit old, and there's a lot of things that kind of don't really work as well as bespoke custom apps that you've seen elsewhere online. So it says the main goals, uh, so we're quoting Matthias Ventura here, the main goals are to expand the media ca management capabilities, unify the block edit and single media interfaces, and improve on the major media flows, uh, adding things like categorization and tagging. That's kind of cool. Uh, better handling of attached media and design improvements to view the library. Uh, the other media library projects may include a revamp of the image editing interface, which remains somewhat unintuitive at this moment. Uh, it really is bizarre how you do things like crop images in WordPress. You know, you, you highlight that thing and then rather than hit return, you have to go back over and click the crop button, which feels like you already should have done that because now all you're doing is cropping. I don't know. Anyway, you get the point. So there's quite a lot of nice stuff in there, possibly open to you guys. I mean, I have to reteach to myself to use the image editor every time. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, like, I, I mean, have to relearn it every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I just started, I, I have just started editing the images before I even upload them to the WordPress <laughs> site. Just go ahead and knock that out of the way and upload it as is. And if it doesn't work, I delete it, edit it, and re-upload it. That's exactly how it yeah, happens. I like editing in place for when I'm trying to like get a certain like focal point on like a featured image because there's still a lot of focal points yeah. on featured image yeah. featured images. That's nice. Um, so I do like it for that. Like, can I just like crop a little bit? But like I have to reteach myself to use the crop tool every time. So I mean, they they haven't yet shown us anything on yep. like what kinds of changes they're looking to make, but. Like, I'm just delighted to see the media library getting some focused attention um, because it's incredibly important. And, you know, we're all accustomed to just being able to, like, upload images from our phones to one social app or another. 
And I feel like there's we're in this cultural moment where like maybe people could move back to blogs, but then like blogs need to catch up right. with like the ease of use. And so I'm, I'm excited to see WordPress moving in that direction. There's a feature that I would love to see that nobody's ever talked about, <clears throat> which is that it would prompt you to give a better name, file name to the image when you upload it. Because when you have, for example, a form that people are uploading their own headshots to for like Career Summit and things like that, and their file name is 7597213, does not say that's Tiffany's headshot, right? So like if I could just quickly and easily because on, on a site like PostStatus, for example, there are probably 30 versions of the Yoast, and I don't mean different versions, the same exact image of the Yoast right, logo, because right, every time right, somebody yeah. needs it, they upload it with a different name. And so if I, if I go searching for, like, I'm never going to upload a logo to PostStatus without checking, because there's probably already 30 to 50 of them somewhere, because it's been around so long, right? So... And some That's, of them are probably out of date, but if we could, if we were prompted to rename it like Tiffany Bridge Headshot, like then I wouldn't have to go searching for it and like trying to find it because it's, I mean, I'm sure Tiffany uses good no- nomenclature, but others do not. Yeah. I, Tiffany I Bridge, AKA 753812. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like when I, I was just actually thinking about that when you were using me as an example, like, gosh, I probably just uploaded. An image with God knows what file names WP speakers. Yeah. <laughs> mine are usually and, like whatever I mash on my keyboard, that's the file name. And mine is always my name and then the size. So like it'll be Michelle Frechette 500X500. So that if somebody needs to know what is that image of Michelle, they have all of the information they need right there. Well, and I should think about that because I used to be a recruiter and I was constantly after people. Please don't just send me a file called resume. <laughs> I get a hundred of them a day. So please, like, name the file with your. So, like, now, when, like, if I'm applying for a job, I always like name the file my name. I don't know why I don't think about that with like headshots. Is yeah. that interesting? I do like the idea. I'm Pick sure like that there's the a solution. Let's just see if somebody in the comments knows. But the deduplication thing, Michelle, seems like that would be really sensible. If 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 there could be some sort of fashion on of the image so that, well, it could, I don't know, it could be its dimensions and then it could be a hash of the image. So we know it's a, a replica of it. And then it Something, just says, no, yeah. don't even bother. You've already got this one 15 times over here. Because yeah. if there are 15 images of the Lost Yogo, you can't possibly delete one of those because you've no idea where it's being used. So that right. would be another nice feature, I guess. Well, is where is fair- this image? Plugins, right? So we have a jobs board. The plugins, when you create a job, it asks you to upload your, your logo. So it's go- you're going to do it, right? You're not going to say, well, it's already there somewhere because you know it's not going to connect at the other end. So there are there are so many use cases where this would be something, I don't know, that would be helpful. I'm um, sorry, guys. I moved. We already have a logo. Is this what we board? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Honestly, don't worry about it. So long as... So long as we can hear you, that genuinely is the main thing. I mean, obviously, it would be lovely if we could hear you and see you, but the hearing bit is the crucial bit, and we can hear every okay. word crystal clear. So I It is worry. Monday morning. So oh, yes. Yeah. Blame, in real life. blame the Monday morning. Arbiter of chaos, you guys. Yeah, yeah. There's another thing to mention, which I know Michelle will quite like, and that is the there's hopefully going to be tighter integration with 
uh, Openverse, which will obviously make the media library a, a load more useful. So Openverse sure. is the, I can't remember what the number is, but it's a staggeringly large uh, number of freely licensed, I think they're all CC0 would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, images and the intention, it's now, I guess the custodian of that project is now automatic. And to be able to access those, I'm making up a number, 50 million images and videos and audio and whatever else there may be on there within the the editor, wherever that editor may be, and drag them in in some kind mm-hmm. of intuitive, nice-looking way. Yeah, that would be nice. Whilst you were talking, somebody mentioned mobile phones. And over the, the weekend, I mentioned my son being in this uh, concert. Um, I was taking lots of pictures. And, you know, it's kind of nice to to edit them. So I don't use Instagram, but I use something adjacent to Instagram. So, you know, you see the picture and then it says, do you want to add a vignette? And you click, yeah, and all of a sudden it looks great. And then do you want to, I don't know, make it look a bit retro so it looks like an old Polaroid or something and you click, yeah. And, you know, you just fart around and you undo and you redo and you keep adding things in. Now, I know this is probably a bit overkill for the the WordPress project, but it does kind of seem like some of that stuff some of that fun stuff might be quite useful uh, in there as well. Because honestly, the kids, they're all raised. This is what you get with images. If it's just upload an image, stick it on a website, be nice to be able to handle uh, some of those other things as well. Mm-hmm. If there's anything well, to so add like to that. So much of that image processing is driven on device by the processor. So putting that into WordPress does seem to be, would be challenged for like, would be challenging for like, budget hosting mm. because you're going to get people wanting to like consume more resources and then sure. like there aren't necessarily enough resources for everybody to be like vignetting their photos on upload yeah um, good point so i'm wondering how much of that would get done like but i also feel like there's a really great opportunity for people to um for plugins that are like backed by a SaaS to do that um, so like external server processing power, like you upload it to WordPress, it gets whisked off to the servers, you like do your little thing and then it comes back edited or it right. stays there in like a CDN kind of situation, like a, like a Jetpack site accelerator. Yes. So I think yeah. there's opportunity for that. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess you're right. Thinking about the, the sustainability of websites, all of the things that I just mentioned are basically superfluous, aren't they? But if, if that was truly something that you required in your workflow, the, the ability to toggle that thing on or off might be quite useful. Courtney, thanks for joining in the comments, uh, Courtney. That's great. She she talk, talking about the affordable hosting. She says, I'm very curious how the performance will go with most economical, she calls it, hosting plans. Um, my days are o- of overcrowded shared hosting wouldn't handle it well. I had a conversation with Steve Burge, uh, who's from Publish Press, and he he for the longest period of time has been really interested in Phase Three because you know collaborative editing is right inside the wheelhouse of what his product, his WordPress plugin, does: getting things published in Teams and all of that. And he's looked into it quite long and hard. And at the time that we did the recording, probably about four months ago. He was, he was really puzzled as to how they were going to get it to work, uh, in anything other than, you know, really pretty decent hosting environments. So he came up with all sorts of novel ideas, which he was just spinning off the top of his head, more or less. I think 
that is to say he wasn't he, he hadn't got any insight from from anybody on you know the development team and his ideas were what about if you just edit a block at a time so if i edited a block m- um, michelle couldn't edit it she would in effect be locked out so i could do a paragraph and as soon as i jumped out that paragraph everybody else could edit that one but nobody whilst i'm doing it. so that would be one thing she wouldn't be doing the whole page at a time and also the ability to offload that like tiffany just said with images the ability to offload that as a service again let's just use the example of jetpack if you could have a concurrent editing add-on for a wordpress site maybe that's something that will happen we'll see we'll just have to see what the team uh, can manage around that. Anyway, uh, thank you for that comment. And then she's given us another one. Photo sharing. Has anyone checked out what Jetpack Social is doing? No, I haven't, is the answer. Push images out to networks from your own site. What do you mean there? What, you can mm. get socking images from your social networks? Or any of you three have any insight into that? I'm not sure what. No, that your images would go out. Um, oh. Like, would be published social. out. Would it be an right. automatic? Social. Is that an automatic process? Like you just post something and it automatically gets pushed out to Twitter? My guess is that would depend on your setting. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, Jetpack just... has done like automatic publish, like sh- publishing a post to social mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, I haven't dug into that. I haven't dug into that feature too much lately because I'm trying to reduce my dependence on social networks. But, um, you know they're also kind of unavoidable, right? So, I uh, I I should be checking that out. Yeah, it's mm. interesting because uh, all the fun social networks, there's a lot that are based around image sharing and meme sharing and all that kind of thing. And so, if you could just upload something to your WordPress website, it goes on your website, but it also gets pushed out directly. So it's not a social post as such. It might, I don't know, but yeah, okay, um, Courtney, if you've got any insight into what you meant there, that would be great. And she's got one final comment there. Now, just to make the mobile app experience for WordPress as easy as photo network apps. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, I think we've got the work cut out for us in, um, in stage three of the Gutenberg project. Let's move on to the next piece, which is actually broadly the same. Well, not quite, but it touches on many of the same things. So again, Sarah Gooding doing God's work. Um, WordPress plans ambitious admin UI revamp with design system galvanizing broad support from the developer community. Half this article is basically saying that a lot of the people who have seen this, who are developers, think that there's a lot of cool stuff in here. But um, yeah, I've said this a few times ever since I joined WordPress in 20, uh, something like 2014, something like that. The admin UI has been basically the same. I think there's been some very, very minor modifications, but broadly speaking, it's the same. Maybe it's time for a change. And so what you can see on the screen here, if you're looking at it, is some proposed options. I mean, it looks much more minimal than we've got at the moment. It's this idea of this, I think, from from my reading of it, it's this idea of this menu here on the left, which you can collapse. And then, but everything's done in here. So if you want to move away from the design options, you click back here. And then you get to the previous menu. And if you click on something, this panel is taken over by that. So it's it's kind of left, left, right, right, right. You know, so rather than at the minute, everything just flies out and there's more flyouts possibly. Uh, this is just this idea of this one universal menu and everything appears in this interface over here. Um, 
I'll just read directly from here. Uh, WordPress admin is on deck for a long-awaited makeover after Gutenberg lead architect Matthias Ventura published plans for a revamped admin design. You can click on the link in the show notes and it will take you to that. As WordPress turns 20, the overall aim of this work is to improve upon this experience at a foundational design level, giving plugins and users more control over the navigation whilst ensuring WordPress the WordPress experience is recognizable, intuitive, accessible, and interestingly, the word delightful has been used. I could go on. There's absolutely loads of detail in here, but I, I won't really. But you can see here, we're in the sort of the section to do with uh, this particular plugin, I guess. And you could click this arrow, go back to where we were before. Maybe this is to do with, a. am not really sure in all honesty, but um, the idea of this unified UI where you can achieve more or less everything is the intention. I, um, I've tried to get my kids to use WordPress and they just think it's an outdated sort of dinosaur when they look at the UI because I use it every day. I don't really think of it that way, but maybe this will help. Over to you guys. I can't tell you how excited I am about this. I mean, I have a lot of affection for the WP admin of my youth, but that's the point, isn't it? Right. It's the WP admin of my youth and I am squarely middle-aged now. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and people's expectations of what a website editor should look like and feel like are being set by tools like Squarespace and Wix and and things like that. And then they log into WordPress and they get an, an interface that is like straight out of 2004. And, you know, I love it because it makes me feel nostalgic, but like nostalgia is not necessarily what you're going for in a technological product interface. So I'm really excited about this. It's, it's long overdue. The assumptions that WP admin make or ba are based on a much earlier phase in WordPress's development. Um, so I, I mean, if it does nothing else, but like corral all the different menus that all the different menu items that plugins like shove into that left hand WP admin menu, like that would right. be enough. Right. But, um, but yeah, having it like having a WP admin that's designed for the way people were use word, want to use WordPress today. Can't tell you how excited I'm about it. Yeah. It's great. Isn't it? Uh, there was some more stuff down the page. I'll just read these because it adds a little bit more texture to the canvas. One recur so I'm quoting, one recurring theme in the feedback was the need to find a way to curb pollution of top-level menus. So if you've had uh, plugins and themes installed, you'll know you've basically got one menu item for that thing. So I don't know, an SEO plugin, there's the SEO admin menu item, and then everything else is buried under there. Um, so that hopefully will be quite nice. But here's a big thing, which we've talked about a few times, the idea of a standard notification system so that plugin developers cannot hijack the UI. And we've all had that experience, I'm sure, of either logging into a client site or maybe just logging into a site that you haven't touched for a while, only to discover that like the things that you're expecting to see, like the post names and things, are like seven miles down there somewhere because there's pop-up, well, you know, admin notification after big advert, after what have you. So mm -hmm. tucking those away somewhere. Seems like quite a nice idea, but also um, another challenge, again, I'm quoting, another challenge that concerns developers ensuring the new design adequately accommodates WordPress pages. This is music to my ears. WordPress site, sorry, with large numbers of posts, pages, categories, menus, comments, because really all that you've got at the moment, if I'm going to try and find some piece of content in a site with, let's say, 3,000 posts, 
that at the moment is quite an arduous procedure. Sure enough, I can search, but really I have to load up, what is it, 20 or so at a time, click next, click next, wait for it all to load, click next. And if I've got images, the same kind of thing. So having some kind of modern way of getting through all of that when there's a load of content, don't know what that means. Is it grids, list views? Is it Ajax loading? Don't know. But anyway, so there's more to this than meets the eye. I'm sorry I interrupted Michelle or Christine. <laughs> I, uh, one of the things that I find myself doing, um, and I've done this for years, is actually simplifying the UI for my clients and, you know, removing things that I, I know that, and I know this is kind of a controversial topic regarding hiding, hiding plugins, right? Um, but when you're creating a site for a client and the client does not have that WordPress experience, I, I think it's an acceptable use case scenario where I'm actually hiding the plugins that I know they're not going to have need access to. It gives them less opportunity to muck up the site. <laughs> um, but when they when they log in, they see a nice simplified UI. They don't need to see, in my opinion, they don't need to see the media library. They don't, you know, um, unless they're actually creating their own content, which is generally not the case in, in my in in my in with my clients, other clients, yes, but not mine. Um, but yeah, I actually simplify the UI, so not having to utilize a separate plugin to accomplish that is would be nice in my in my case. So being able to toggle off, because all that you can do really at the moment is to down either know the code or you download another plugin so that you can show and hide things. So, okay. Yeah, I have to download it... several plugins right. to um, like simplify the UI. And then, of course, like you were talking about having the list of blog posts and or pages and making them, you know, searchable or having them presented in a nicer manner so that the client can easily find the page that they want to edit, um, searching, or even having the description, different columns, um, because the WordPress right. admin doesn't do the columns. That's good, isn't it? There's lots of thought there. So the idea that you could, in the native <laughs> UI, you could add in all the columns. So yeah, show me the featured image. Don't show me the excerpt, but do show me that random custom field that I've got as well. I'd like to see that. And that could all be searchable and filterable. Yeah, neat. There's a load in there. That's really interesting. Well, and, you know, and when you hide the stuff in the sidebar like that, like it doesn't, like this is something that we did when we were working on Store Builder or Store Builder products. This is not a pitch for Store Builder. It's just an example. Right. Um, you know, we did that. We simplified the admin. But then what we found is that like WooCommerce would change. And then yes. suddenly like our... um like the, the menu structure we had devised, like wouldn't work anymore. And like suddenly something was missing that you really needed to get to. And so like even um, like very understandably wanting to like hide all of that stuff, then you like, you just, you, you create other problems because plugins will be developed with the assumption that the, that the menus work a certain way. And, um, and it's kind of that like WordPress is so customizable that you cannot possibly anticipate every use case that a user of your product is going to want to have access to. Um, so there's like, it's like opinionated, but not opinionated enough. So yeah, I think it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to more simplicity there. I also like the idea of all of the plugins <clears throat> and plugin settings being directed under one heading. I have uploaded plugins before where I upload the plugin and then I have to spend 10 minutes hunting and searching for where the settings for that plugin is. Are they under settings? Is it as under tools? Because it doesn't actually have its own menu item in the left-hand side, but it's the plugin I need and want to use. So 
where are the where are the tools for it? So sometimes that becomes very frustrating as well. Yeah, I do. Honestly, this is you've taken the conversation in a really different direction than I had in my own head imagined it. But the idea of being able to customize the WordPress UI, I mean, nothing bizarre or kind of strange, but just the idea of being able to, rather than just change it from a grid to a list view with pages and posts, if you could add all those custom uh, fields in or just other fields, a bit like you do with the dashboard at the moment. You can say, show me the WordPress news bit, but don't show me this. Something along those lines, so you can add those. And, and I know you can do that to some extent at the moment in WordPress, but the ability to put almost anything you want in there um, and then the ability to search and filter with those. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. Let's see where this goes. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm buoyed now. That's that sounds quite exciting. Okay, let's and knock the last that one time on they there. Redesigned, oh, no. It was like we're in WordPress 2.1, right? Yep. Like, yep. That's how long it's been. We're up to WordPress 6.3 coming out in a couple of weeks. Like it, it's time. It's yeah, time. I agree. I think the I think the way it looks at the moment is a bit of an off-putting experience for some people so if you were to log into i don't know if you come from squarespace or something i do think you would find it a little bit discombobulating a little bit 19 1990s you might say okay all right let's um let's do something else you've all heard of carrie dills haven't you i'm sure carrie dills has been in the wordpress community for many many years i was lucky enough to sit down with her and have a conversation um, on the Tavern podcast. And I just thought I'd mention it. If you're a plugin or theme developer, uh, you know, making blocks or whatever it might be, and you would like to get your code in front of a wider audience. And what I mean by that is internationalizing your code. So I was always aware that you could, if you like, internationalize the, the front end of your WordPress website. So, you know, there are various plugins and solutions which allow you to click a button and all of a sudden, all of the bits and pieces, they're now showing in Italian, whereas before they showed in English, that's for the front end. That's not what this is about. Carrie is talking about um, all sorts of things built inside of WordPress core, GetText in particular, and how you can make the UI interface, the admin interface, available in those different languages. So rather than relying on people installing your plugin and having to go to English, well, why not make it available in a bunch of other languages as well? I think we sort of always seem to have in, but I don't know what it is, but WordPress, all the events, not all the events, but a lot of the events are done in English. We tend to do a lot of the stuff in English, but Carrie's point is, well, if your plugin isn't really going into the English market, I don't know, I said, imagine you're, plugin is only used by Hungarian people. Well, what's the point in having it in English? You should probably have it in Hungarian. And so she explains a little bit about how you might do that, why you might do it, and how you can find out more, the different projects and places that you can go uh, if you want to find out about this. I, I, this is a really difficult subject for me to cover because I basically only speak English. So the sort of default setting in WordPress basically works for me a hundred percent of the time but there's a lot of technical detail inside plugins sometimes and i think it would be enormously frustrating if you had no english your english wasn't great it would be quite nice if developers made the effort to uh to get that stuff translated so this is not about doing the translations you're going to have to offload that to some other person some lang language expert somebody that can do it this is about the mechanisms for allowing 
those translations happen in the WordPress interface. So I don't know if any of you have got anything to add about that. I just thought I'd mention it because it was such a nice episode. And she's lovely, by the way. She is lovely. I love yes, you, Andy. I think it's so important. It's a lot of the WordPress we focus on North America and, you know, the the part of Europe that speaks English, right? And most of Europe, I think, a lot, well, I shouldn't say most, a lot of people speak English or they learn English to be part of this, uh, about a part of WordPress. But there are such a huge amount of users that are not speaking English and do not read English and need to be able to see things that are not in English. So I love the efforts to better internationalize the, the, all of the experiences within WordPress. And as it, as luck would have it, up pops I Cameron. Just great. Uh, as luck would have it, Cameron's popped into the chat to say he's doing a talk on internationalization. That is a hard word to say. Internationalization. Uh, on that, internationalization at the WordCamp. No, of course not. The WordPress meetup, uh, which uh, it's Leeds, but it's not Leeds. It's online Leeds, if you know what I mean. But Cameron, make sure it's recorded, can, Cameron. Yeah, if you can also post, uh, if you've got the link for um, for getting invites, then that'd be great. I I, I get the, the the mailings from WordCamp or the, the WordPress Leads Meetup, but I can't get it right this moment. But yeah, we're happy to share that on the screen uh, if you want. So sorry, Christine. Sorry, Tiffany. We we haven't heard yours thoughts on this. If you've got any, I, I'm a hundred percent an English speaker. So I guess, <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot of input. I agree with Michelle and that, of course, it's important, but um, this is, you know, I unfortunately have no dog in the fight here. <laughs> yeah. And she has a lot of dogs. So. I do have a lot of dogs. <laughs> None of them dogs. are fighting. Just, no, no, no. <laughs> She's a very responsible dog. Though, no, right? no good. Yeah. No, okay. Like, I'm excited about it, though. I think it's a great conversation to be having internationalization like the getting things properly translated is is so challenging um and but there are you know there are services like there are word pl wordpress plugins now that like as we've talked about like they'll they'll internationalize the front of your site i would love to see that kind of functionality like where they they'll like bring you like machine translations until you can kind of like update and afford like professional translations and I would love to see I would love to see a service like that for plugin developers right because a lot of plugin developers are solopreneurs oh yeah and you yeah know, so like the the idea of having to like then purchase manage and update translations can be really that that can be laborious for folks um but I'm, but does that make it less important but it, I, I wouldn't want that to be like a barrier to entry so like having um having some like service available to plugin developers they could subscribe to that would make their plugins like because even a machine translation is better than no translation at all like you can get yeah. by with that if you have to um i think yeah. it would be really useful and also just on a completely different note something that i've been trying to do lately is i've been trying to learn italian and so i'm gradually like changing the interfaces of the various tools i interact with to Italian, like right now, I read Facebook in Italian. Oh, you are um, good! Wow. So, um, so like you know, I can imagine myself like trying to like use WordPress in Italian in some future state. So, I would love to see a service that helps plugin authors like bring in 
translation to their plugins while they're ramping up their businesses. I guess I guess Bring the nice home. thing about this is that the the tr- the people who are developing these things presumably being developers will in- be able to engage with the content of this podcast because it is focused more on developers it, it is a little right. bit more on the technical side she talks about this this whole get text thing which allows you to do this and how you do it obviously it's hard on an audio podcast but she points you in the right direction but yeah um and not only you're making wordpress slightly more accessible let's be honest you're probably going to be making your business a somewhat more profitable because if you can directly say that, I don't know, I am a Hungarian translated plugin, why not? You know, you're going to attract all those people and bear in mind that although we think that English is the center of the, the universe, sometimes there's quite a lot of people speaking, <laughs> speaking non-English uh, languages. So hello, Peacher, by the way. And uh, nice. Uh... Nice to have you with us. I've just shared that leads um, with you on Slack because I don't know how to do it in here without leaving the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, in which yeah, case, so you I can will... include it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I will try to do that. In fact, yeah, there's very little point in me putting it on the screen because it's uh, it's a giant it's number like at the end. But I will, is. I will add it. Uh, Cameron, uh, when do you say is it this week coming up Wednesday or the twenty fifth? Twenty fifth. So it'll be a, s- okay. a weekend or something like that. next. Okay, good luck with that, Cameron. Thank you for uh, mentioning that. Okay, let's move on. Uh, So a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about is the future of WordPress. Here's another thing about the future of WordPress. This I mentioned this last week, but I'm going to keep banging on about it. Uh, Live demo, um, Rich Tabor and Anne McCarthy are going to be uh, describing all of the different pieces of significance that have changed between WordPress 6.2 and 6.3. I think sometimes there's not so much. Sometimes there's quite a lot. I would classify this as quite a lot um, because there really has been quite a lot. And so if you fancy joining us, I'm going to moderate it. Basically, I'm doing what I'm doing here. I'm just going to, you know, field the questions and things like that. Uh, Please go to, well, you'll find it on WordPress.org and the piece is entitled 6.3 Live Product Demo. Um, and it's a live Zoom call. You get to ask them your questions, raise your concerns. I think the intention is to go for something like an hour, maybe 30, 35 minutes of uh, demo, followed by enough time to get everybody's questions answered. So, yeah, come join us. That would be absolutely lovely. All right. A community piece, I guess community, but also to do with the core project as well. A little while ago, um, there was a mentorship program which was launched. The idea of the mentorship program really was to help help people who didn't feel they necessarily could, were able to, don't know what the right words are there, um, help out the project. And the idea was that you would find a mentor, a mentor would be found for you, and they would shepherd you through the process of whatever area it is that you wanted to contribute on. So I don't know, let's say it was documentation. There, You would be married together, if you like, with somebody who'd done that all before, and they would guide you with any questions or answers. So sometimes you say these things, and then you never hear about these projects again. Well, I'm pleased to say that this one is not the case. Uh, looks like 11, was it 11? No, 13 people have been onboarded. 50 people applied. Um, across eight teams, including core training, community documentation, photos, test polyglots, and support. 
And of those 50 applications, 13 have been given the green light. They've been matched up with a mentor. And the intention really is that they will go through a kind of weekly, I think it was weekly. Yeah, our mentors offer one-to-one support to each contributor in our cohort. These mentors check in uh, with mentees each week to offer them support and guidance on the program and to answer any questions that they might have. 13 selected. Of course, if you didn't make the cut or you didn't even know about it, you can still apply. There'll be further rounds in the future. But really, you know, if you've got, if there's an impediment to you joining the community and that impediment is that you just don't feel you've got the the know-how and you want to learn from somebody who does, then this is for you. I don't know if anybody, I thought Michelle might have something she wanted to say about this. I love the idea of mentorship at all into WordPress. I think it's, I hope it's something that will prove successful and that can grow. Um, it feels like 13 is such a small number yeah. compared to the total number of people. Yeah. Um, but you have to start somewhere and a pilot right. program shouldn't have 700 people in it. So it makes sense to start small. I just hope it's um, so successful that it's something that will spin off into um, you know, multiple areas and allow more people to feel confident in contributing to WordPress because we need everybody. And as I've said in the past, I think the... I don't even, I think we see that the WordPress user group is aging up and we're not bringing in enough younger people. And I think that this is one way that we can help um, usher in the next generation. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, yeah and it, just, sorry, please, you carry on. Oh, I was just going to say that I, what I'm hoping comes out of this, in addition to, you know, a lot of success and, and, and an expansion of the proof of the program, what I was thinking as I was reading this is that, you know, one-on-one mentorship does not scale. And so what I'm hoping that comes out of this is a lot better resources for joining in as a new contributor. I'm participating in the 6.4 release squad, and I have never joined a release squad before. I've been working with WordPress for 19 years. I have never, like, intentionally, like, joined in to participate in a release before. Um, And... You know, we had our kickoff call this week, which was great. And it was wonderful to see all of these great folks on the, on the call. But like, as it wrapped up, a friend of mine who was all, who was also on it and is not in this, um, messaged me in Slack and was like, do you have any idea what you're supposed to do next? Because I don't. Mm. And like, we had a whole call and like, and I was like, well, you know, I'm contributing on the docs team. So I think what I'm going to do is like get the docs meeting on my calendar and I'm going to look for this post on the make blog. But like, there's nobody that says, okay, if this is the team that you're on, put this meeting on your calendar, watch for this post, and we anticipate that it will be published on this date, and here's where you'll find it. Like, there's nothing like that that just explains, like, this is how this team organizes itself. Or if it is, it's like buried in a way that people don't know to look for it. It's like, WordPress is so big, and the the, the contributor pool feels very big and very busy, and you're like, well, am I supposed to be in track? Am I supposed to be in GitHub? Am I supposed to be in Slack? Am I supposed to be in all of those places? And I feel like there's a real lack of like just kind of taking people by the hand figuratively, even just like new new to contributing to this team, start here and do like, and here are five steps to yeah. contributing to the team. Generally, here are five steps to joining the release. Um, I feel like we're really just sort of lacking that very plain like, oh God, there's so many people in Slack and there's so much going on and everybody's right. in tears and I don't want to bother anybody. Um, so I'm hoping that this like mentorship program, yes. then, like that 
information will come out of it and be turned into that kind of, mm-hmm. of help. You're not stepping into a stream. You're stepping into a raging river that's headed towards the waterfalls. Yes. At least that's how it feels a lot of the time. And so yes. I, I agree. Having people that can say, oh, you're new here. Let me show you. This is the next meeting. This is how we're organized um, and how we're moving forward. That would be incredibly helpful. This this conversation today is so interesting because it's just, honestly, you make me think about things in different ways. And that was a great example because I didn't even think about the not one-to-one piece. And I, I know for a fact that there is no way to gather the data that I'm about to ask for, but it would be interesting to know how many people thought about contributing and got, let's say, just just looked at the Slack channel, freaked out backed away or did what you right there you go so we got one two okay so two out of the four here or got a little bit further in and then realized that there was no specific guidance the likes of which you just mentioned tiffany you know be here at this time look for this here's what's going to happen you know just some little bullet pointed list i wonder if how much that has resulted in uh people not managing to get there this just from the outside this just felt like a great initiative and i think it is a great initiative but i i fully initiative. understand what you're saying about um about it not being scalable and i hadn't given that a moment's thought and the idea of having something a bit more broad is really interesting yeah thank you for that that was great um i don't know if you've got anything you want to add christine you raised your hand there so yeah i was um i think we can all I think knowing Tiffany and Michelle know me that I'm just, uh, I know nothing about anything. I'm just, I just kind of float through life. Um, so yeah. Girl. <laughs> I, Christine um, is you know, like Ruth at word camps. So um, <laughs> yeah. don't let her fool you. She knows a lot. Maybe not, so, maybe, maybe not always the, about the things you might think. This is very true. It's just a potpourri of knowledge in my head that is useless to to <laughs> most people. Um, ask me anything about dogs, I got you covered. Um, but ask me about WordPress, and I'm just going to sit there and stare at you blankly, um, basically. But yeah, so no, it is it is overwhelming, you know, when you jump into the Slack. And of course, I'm a member of all the Slack channels and just kind of, there's a lot happening. It is very overwhelming. And then, of course, for those of us that may be neurodiverse or have a little anxiety, you know, and just second imposter syndrome, whatever it is, it's it's a lot. It's overwhelming. I genuinely struggle with the 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 like Michelle described, you know, a raging torrent. I know you, you know, what whatever language you put in there, it it is like that. You come back. You just go to bed and then wake up the next morning and come back and try and find out what what happened. Uh, and usually a lot happened because there's people contributing to that a day, you know, all throughout the day and all throughout the night. And so the way my brain works is is Slack doesn't often work that well for me, just having to go back and figure out what happened and all of that. But that's and Slack doesn't, doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. Right? Like some yeah. people like there's I mean, Slack is a very particular way of working. That doesn't work for all neurotypes. And, um, and also, you know, there's, there's the folks who contribute to WordPress because they are sponsored to contribute. And so for 40 hours a week, that's their job. And so, you know, when it's your job, like you'll get in there and you'll figure out how it works. But for those of us who are trying to carve out a couple of weeks, a couple of hours a week to contribute, like maybe we want, maybe we want to do a five for the future pledge or something like that. 
and to try to carve out those couple of hours a week. Like I have a limited amount of time I can spend volunteering for WordPress. I want to volunteer for WordPress, but I cannot spend all of that time figuring out the next thing that'll happen. Because eventually I have to get back to my actual job and my family and my hobbies. So I'm hoping that this really, um, I'm hoping that one of the outcomes of this excellent program is to is is to just have a little bit more thought into how to onboard new contributors who like literally may only have two to three hours a week to give to the project yeah really interesting fascinating conversation i'm so glad we're having this um peter is saying something similar so thank you peter for commenting i've always said that slack and github are barriers to entry um may be necessary but potential contributors are filtered out by the requirements of touch tools. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, the idea that there could, who knows how many thousands may have uh, stepped in and helped, but didn't really feel that they could do that. And Peacher said, uh, I've tried a few times to contribute to at least two teams, three in fact, and I just can't work out to do that via Slack. Impossible. I, I sympathize because I get that feeling. If it's a one-on-one chat, like, Michelle and I chat quite a lot on Slack. It's just ideal. It, it serves that purpose really well. But when there's like 50 people all throwing their stuff in, I, I get lost in the in the deluge there. So, okay. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Uh, Peter also wrote something that just occurred to me that I didn't mention at the top of the show. Again, sorry, everybody on the panel. I am going to do a little bit of self-promotion because why not, frankly? Um, Peter says that we should promote the show that we're doing. We're doing a UI UX show. And so, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. If you have um, any interest in UI or UX, maybe you've got a web page that's half built or a project which is half finished. Peter and I do this once a month-ish UI UX show where we raise two websites onto the screen and Peter takes a first look at them and gives them a, a, a going over with her expert knowledge about those things. So she looks at accessibility. We look at things like deceptive design. Um, and the, we've changed the format a little bit in that Peach is hoping to get non-profit, uh, or as we would call them, non uh, or charities, as we would call them, uh, websites, but also pet projects. If it's a big commercial project that you're getting paid for, then perhaps this isn't the show for you going forwards. We're going to be doing those um yeah, we're going to be doing those non-profit type things. If you would like to join us, then you can go. This is right on the homepage of the WP Builds website. It's just there's the start, a little bit further down. You can see just here is that section. And there's calendar links for when we're doing the show. Uh, the next one is on the 25th of July, so not that far away. And if you want to send us your site, there's a link just there. And Peter will have a look at it and maybe add it to the roster. Um, and also we're doing a show with Simply Statics founder, uh, Patrick Posner. He's got, um, a four part webinar series starting on Wednesday. And we're going to be talking about static websites, GitHub, how you can get forms on static websites, all the stuff. Static website is where you flatten it basically. And it just becomes like HTML, CSS, and maybe a bit of JavaScript. And you kind of shut WordPress down. You build it in WordPress, turn WordPress off completely. So it's not there anymore. And then you just switch it on again when you need it and then flatten everything and switch it off. It's kind of interesting, really novel approach. So, Peter, I hope that's okay. Um, come and join us. We'd love that. We really, really would. That'd be lovely. Okay. So next one. 
I don't know if any of you want to raise your hand and say that you're a security expert. I certainly yeah. am not. Um, so I don't want to go too far into the weeds here. But uh, this is a piece uh, on the WP Tavern website. Yeah, it's called Malcare Blog Vault and WP Remote Plugins Patch Vulnerabilities Allowing Site Takeover Through Stolen API Credentials. Uh, this is to say that Sneeko, I think that's how you pronounce it, which is run by, um, now, what is his name? I have forgotten. There we go. Sorry, Calvin. Calvin Alken. Um, he's published a site saying how it's possible uh, to to take over um, your WordPress website via the Malcare Blog Vault and WP Remote plugins. Now, the conversation gets a little bit nuanced and it goes a bit above my pay grade. In that, I think you need to have been that there needed to have been a previous vulnerability for you to be able to read the database tables because the API key I think that connects Blog Vault and your website is held in plain text. Now, I'm pretty sure that uh, the guys behind Malcare Blog Vault WP Remote that's one company, by the way, it's got one umbrella company uh, run by Akshat Chowdhury. They've they've Mitigating this, it sounds kind of sounds like it's their number one priority at the moment. But just to say that if this is something that you're using, if this is a service that you're using, you might want to read this article. You may also uh, want to update the plugin to ensure that this is not happening to you. So, in the interests of fairness, because there's two sides to this argument, I'm going to have podcast interviews with both sides. I'm doing. Uh, Calvin tomorrow, and I'm doing AppChat a little bit later so they can both explain their positions on this. But uh, anyway, go and read that piece. And I don't know if any of you three want to comment. I don't really understand all this stuff. There's a mass shaking of heads. Yeah, okay. Okay. Anyway, keep your ears peeled similar, for the podcast. There was a similar thing happening with the all-in-one security plugin this week. They were also found to be storing like plain text admin credentials in the site database and yeah. i don't know y'all i feel like plain text secrets stored in the database is it's disappointing right mm, uh, yeah. that it's, and then it's and, and that it's happening across multiple security plugins is distressing um i don't want to i don't like to get out there and like slag on people who do this because this is not work that i can do um but i, I it's disappointing I'm, and particularly as a person who has to decide, um, based on how many times this plugin is installed on my fleet, um, whether to call a security incident and force an update. Um, it's, it's not like, it's not great. It's not a great feeling to be like forcing updates to the security plugins on customer website because the security plugins themselves are the vectors of vulnerability. Yeah. So again, it's beyond my pay grade. This, in all honesty, but it's a curious story. But I know that there were, I know that there were two sides to this. Akshat has his opinions on it. Blog Vault that he's representing Blog Vault and the people over at Sneeko, they had their opinions on it. So in order to get me up to speed, I'm like I said, I'm doing podcast episodes with both of them, and I guess you could listen to them in tandem. Maybe I should put them out as one show. You never know. Um, but I, yeah, we'll see. Cameron's making a comment, and he is a developer, so he understands this thing more than I do. The thing with vulnerabilities like this is the only way this can be exploited is via a very specific vulnerability in other plugins 
So the risk is not as bad as it might seem. Yeah, that was my understanding from the article. Thank you, Cameron. It felt like you needed to have a vulnerability being exploited already in order to be able to to use this vulnerability to get these API keys. The the problem, I guess, is if that did happen, then the API keys basically give you the right to do things like create new admin users and things like that, which we all know is not that. I mean, anyway, so another- I guess it's a good thing there are no hacked WordPress websites out there. Oh, there you go. Yay. <laughs> um, the just it's an unfolding story. Let's see where this goes in the next few days. Um, but thank you for your comments there, Cameron. That's really helpful. All righty. Let me find the next piece if I can. Uh, this one comes from Michelle. She dropped us into the show notes a little bit before the show started. So I'm not too sure that I've got much to add. So I'll just basically hand it over to you, Michelle. Sure. So accessibility expert Adrian Rosselli is actually being sued by AudioEye, which is an accessibility overlay company, for stating his opinions about the fact that overlays are very inaccessible and actually cause more problems for accessibility. Um, And so he's being slapped with what's called a slap lawsuit which is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. Um, it's, it, that's something, I mean, they don't call it that when they sue you, but that's basically what it is, is it's a, a tech, a tactic to try to get him to shut up, basically. So Only, is this, is this a case of if you've got deep pockets, you can just invoke the, this kind people. of a law? Right, right. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I saw this come up from, um, just it showed up in my Twitter account. Somebody probably retweeted it, and from the original post from his lawyer, which all of these are, you see, they're, they're all um, linked within this article that I wrote. And there's been quite a lot of discussion on the post-status uh, Slack about this and about lawsuits and about legalities and all of these other things. And accessibility is so, so important. Um, you know, I, I personally make a lot of text bigger on my screens because I am now 54 years old, almost 55 years old. I wear bifocals. I wear computer glasses, like all of these things. But I don't need to use a screen reader. I don't need the accessibility over, I mean, not overlays, but a lot of the accessibility features. But other people do. And so if you're going to advocate for accessibility, you need to advocate for accessibility to all. And I think that I've heard so many horrible things from accessibility experts about overlays and how overlays are just really terrible for accessibility. Um, but so many freelancers, so many people building sites for themselves think that it's a wonderful thing because they don't know any better. And so Adrian is trying to raise awareness about the fact that true accessibility is putting in the time and the effort to actually make your site accessible, not looking for a band-aid that actually just covers it up, right? And so, um, for, for a public figure like him, who's literally traveled all over the world giving talks about accessibility, to be sued like this, I think that audio I didn't realize coming after somebody in the WordPress community means you come after everybody in the com- WordPress community that is paying attention. And so um, it's getting a lot of attention. I decided to write it up for post status. And yeah, it's just terrible. <laughs> It's just can ask, terrible. Can I ask a quick question? Is is it yeah. because of of the what was the company that's come after him called? Audio Eye. Um, is it because he's mentioned their specific product? You know, in other words, in yeah. in his accessibility talks, he said, "Look, there's a thing 
And right. Okay. So they want him to be quiet because he's literally mentioning things which, let's say, for example, Google could find. And so they yes. don't like that. And they just want him yes. to go away and be quiet. Okay. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. That, so, same information for, uh, from my end, um, Michelle. That is to say, all the accessibility people that I've spoken to, and that there's quite a few now, that that is. That is a message that you could write in large letters over everything that they've said is just the overlays are not the answer. They're not even a vague attempt at an answer. Mm-hmm. They look like an answer because you can see them. Um, right. And the kind of the whole problem here is exactly that. Uh, you're mm-hmm. not facing the same interface if you can't see it. So I yeah. think it's, it's yeah, like. It, Painting over black mold does not get rid of black mold. It just makes it look prettier, right? Right, right. It's, it's not the actual solution. And you also pointed out the fact that, you know, this is hard work. To get this right is difficult work, and they... It doesn't these companies have to have be a, difficult. Well, work, okay, though, right? uh, but it's harder Let's, than the promise which right. they have, which is click a button, right. you're done. Right. Um, right. So, yeah. You don't want your heart surgeon to put a Band-Aid over your open heart surgery wound. You want them to do it correctly. No, no thanks. And so we want people who are, we want people to to treat their sites like that open heart surgery. Look for the things that need to be fixed so that you're not slapping a Band-Aid on something and pretending that it's working properly. You need to put the alt text in. You need to look at your, um, the order of things that are showing up on your site. You need to use your H tags properly. You need to... I can't even think of everything right now. The contrast, the size of your text, like all of these things matter. So come and join us where Peacher probably will now that we've talked about this, will wish to talk about it. I think she's being sarcastic here just by the icon. She says, overlays really are so... Oh, no, sorry. I thought she'd written are not so bad. Okay, good. I'm glad. Uh, Overlays (laughs) really are so bad. A talk at WordCamp US... uh, Sorry, WordCamp EU actually suggested using them. Um, Audio Eye says Maya... Uh, uses auto- an automated solution to check websites, and I still haven't found a single one that actually is accurate. Um, is is it a slap lawsuit or an STFU? That that STFU, he's got to be making that up, right? No, no, no. That's a shut oh, the fudge up. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's what I meant. It yeah. is so not F-U- a legal term. No, right, 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 right. Yeah, no, yeah. but like, it is. It is a against public participation. Is okay. it is yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a good acronym. Yeah. A slap. It really feels like a yeah. Like it that. sure does. Yeah. Um, and well, then and so in saying, states that try to outlaw them, they're called anti-slap laws because yeah. in states that have anti-slap laws, um, you can argue in court that you are being sued for this reason. That they're basically just suing to shut me up. Right. Um, for my protected speech and the, um, the court can find that, like, yes, the company is doing that. And now they have to pay your legal fees. But not every uh, state has those protections written okay. in. So, so they go um, at you via a state where they have no protections. I'm guessing. Yes. Um, I'm wondering whether a, so Peter again, I'm wondering whether agent's case may actually help bring the issue to the fore, hoping he wins, of course. Well, Peter, I will publish, uh, tomorrow in the show notes but of course it's there already if you go to poststats.com and look for um the very recent article by michelle she posted it two or three days ago on the 14th of july you could share Mm. that i guess with your social network uh mia going further than any of us so far saying they should be banned which sounds about the the right way of doing it um and i feel hope this could become a bit of a streisand effect i've 
got a feeling that's got something to do with Barbara Streisand, but I don't know what it means. Um, but I'm sure it's got something I, to do with like things going viral. Yes, yeah, something loud enough. Suddenly, people who didn't know about it now know about it. Oh, that's okay. Right. Is that what yeah, she if I did? Recall, if I yeah, if I recall correctly, and someone in the comments can correct me if I'm wrong, but if I recall correctly, she wanted to prevent her house being published on Google Maps or something yes. like that. And she made such a huge deal about it that it became what's known as the Streisand effect that it made oh. the news. And then people were like, okay, well, now I'm curious to know where to look at her house, mm-hmm. whereas they may not have known about it or cared yeah. in the past. Got it. So, it, yes. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be good if this lawsuit resulted in just that outcome? It's like, we wish we mm-hmm. hadn't done that. Um Peter Ingersoll, this is nice. Lots of isn't it funny how some comments just trigger the some things that we talk about get the, get yeah. the comments rolling, don't they? I'm so annoyed about how any search for WP and accessibility will result in ads and affiliate-driven WP influence promoting overlays. Yeah, that is a shame. I hadn't even thought about if, that. But if mm. you search for WCAG, which is Web Content okay. Accessibility yep. Guides. Um, the first thing that shows up is an ad for Accessibility, which is an overlay company. Yeah. You have to scroll past the sponsored advertisements to actually get to what you're looking for. It's crazy. Yay. Nothing wrong with the internet. It's all fine, isn't it? Um, thanks, Michelle, for the article. <laughs> oh, that's nice feature. That's <laughs> lovely. And Maya says, I just checked and AudioEye has been suing little people left, right and center for the last couple of years. Well, yeah. you never know. Maybe, Michelle, you've stirred up a nice hornet's nest here. <laughs> let's uh, let's see how this goes. Uh, right, let's move on quickly. We've got a couple of minutes really left is all we've got. So I, it's mm-hmm. not really related, but I guess somewhat related. This is over on your side of the pond, uh, and I don't know how Massachusetts differ from the other states, but I just thought this was kind of curious. Not WordPress at all, but... Um, a proposed Massachusetts law would ban the sale of your cell phone location data. I don't really know what kind of information is being sucked out of my phone. I try. I have an Android phone, which I realize is is probably more of a sieve than if you've got an iPhone. But um, I try to, where possible, limit the what my apps know about me. But there are ones that, if I want to use them, they know, like my Google Maps, for example, if I'm using it to navigate. Well, guess what? They know exactly where I am. And my understanding is that unless you keep a watchful eye on these apps, often they will ask for permissions like your location data, even though the app has nothing to do with your location. You know, it's a picture sharing app or something. And then it will consume that data, send it to their servers, and then that can be sold to data brokers who then sell it on. They're the middleman, if you like, sell it on for cash. So it's data for cash. And this just seems absurd, frankly. I I can't see a single scenario apart from the scenario that you want to get rich off my data. I can't see another scenario where this is acceptable. And so Massachusetts are proposing a law to ban this. I don't know what you think. I think this should have been banned from the outset with phones, to be honest. I don't think these phones should ever have had the permissions to do that kind of stuff and sell our data as if it's some sort of commodity that we all agreed was agreed was allowed. But uh, yeah, over to you, Dennis. I think that technology, it moves so fast. The internet moves so fast that, you know, at that the laws just can't keep up. And then you have the bad actors coming in and taking advantage of 
you know, what they can get away with, that it takes a while for all these laws to get caught up. And these companies that are doing these these things are like, oh, I can do this now. And they get away with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. J- just, Christine, what what do you, what's your thoughts on that? If you were to discover that there was an app on your phone, which you installed and you, you know, it had no reason really to get your location data and you discovered that they were flogging it and making money out of it. That, I mean, that yeah, just makes me a bit cross, actually. It's in, yeah, it's invasive. Um, yeah. And, but what's really actually kind of sad is thinking about it now, I expect it. Um, yeah. I expect yeah. my yeah. my privacy to be invaded. When I use Facebook, I 100% know that they're selling my data to whatever so that I'm Amazon. I'm searching for a, I search for an office desk. I bought an office desk and two years later, Amazon and its affiliates think I still need an office desk. Here's an office desk. Are you interested in an office desk? I know you bought one, but how about another one for all the other rooms that you have in your house, right? And it's so it continually serves these ads, but it's invasive and but it's expected nowadays. And it's actually kind of sad that we've come to this. It's a bit of a human heat map, isn't it? Though, if you think about how we look at our websites for for activity, we look at those heat maps. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a human heat map. It's like a the 30,000 views saying, where are the humans and how can we target ads towards those people? And how can we target sales of ads towards those companies by showing how many people are physically in their space? I mean, it really feels like Big Brother's watching from well, way it, higher up than we think. Actually, Google, like um, I just went to New Orleans and I was looking at local malls and it literally tells you the busy hours. Right now, there are X amount of people right here. Same thing with the traffic, right? How do you think that it gets the traffic um, backlogs or whatever, traffic jams? I'm a remote worker. I have completely forgotten what these words are called. But <laughs> traffic jams. Yes, that's 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 what it's called. <laughs> that, but that's yeah. how they know is by invading your phone location data. I, I think well, Mac- that's Mac- how, like, sorry, you, you go. Oh, I was just going to say that that data is like, so it provides these very useful features. But then, you know, I was at, uh, you know, a team meetup a couple of months ago and um, one of my colleagues was like, I'm just, I'm getting all of these ads for this like one particular product. And I was like, oh, I know that product. I get ads for that all the time. And you and I have just spent a week in the same conference room. So now Facebook thinks yeah. that you must also be interested because our phones have been close together. Oh, exactly. And that's literally how it works. Like, so like when so people are always like, oh, Facebook must be listening in on me. No, Facebook's not listening in on your microphone. Facebook knows who you've been near because we all have phones with Facebook on that. And so, and that's kind of what we're getting at. It's like, you know, they, the, the rationale is always, oh, well, we, you know, we anonymize this data. We package it up. And it's this huge amount of data. You can't just pick you out of it. But here's the thing. We have, we have documented cases of law enforcement purchasing cell phone location data. Because here's the thing. If you drill down into that data and you know my address, which if you're in law enforcement, you know my address. Like if you know right. where my home is and you start seeing the same two phones going in and out of that address, eventually you're going to figure out, well, one of them's her, one of them's her husband's. And so, like, it's not that hard to figure out where I'm going. And, you know, as the, the subhead says on this article, like, Massachusetts is proposing a specific re to, per- to protect people who seek abortions. Because that's a big controversy right now in the United States. It's like, we've got all of these states trying to pass abortion bans and trying to make it 
illegal to travel to another state to get one. And so Massachusetts is saying, well, you just cannot buy any cell phone data about Massachusetts because you're just not going to get to know who's coming here for that purpose. It's like if you know where the abortion clinic is in a particular location and you see all these phones coming into it, suddenly you trace those back to their home locations. Like it's it's chilling. It is absolutely chilling. And so I think this is really, really important and I want to see more of it. My my guess is that when when the folk at Apple, because I'm presuming they did it first, put the put the geolocation technology into the iPhone. I, you know, it came onto the Android platform later. I bet everybody just thought, oh, this is great. Look, we can now like do apps which know where you are. So that'll be really helpful. And then, of course, <laughs> you know, fast forward 10 years, people have just come up with all these ingenious ways of really getting horrible stuff from that data. You're right, um, Tiffany. In the article, it makes the point that it's fairly easy to de-anonymize that data, depending on how much of that cohort of data you've got. If you've got the whole lot, um, you can probably do some stuff. Anyway, I just thought that was a nice piece. Let's hope that Massachusetts managed to push that through. I think that's a good idea. Um, Maybe you do too. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to do the last piece very quickly. I'm sorry, um, Michelle. No, it's fine. Oh, good. Um, We're going to put this one up. Yeah. This is you're going to have to explain this to me because we had about 10 seconds to discuss this before the show started. What's going on? So, yeah, basically on Tumblr, you know, um somebody's asking that ads not have flashing qualities to them, which are triggers. So strobe and flashing is is a trigger for somebody with epilepsy, for example, or other seizure disorders. And so somebody's suggesting that we not have those on Tumblr and other places because as you're scrolling through something, you don't want to be triggered into a seizure. And apparently, as as you can see, that uh, if you scroll down there, um, Matt says that we already have blocks for ads that are too flashy. But the reality is, a third party of networks um, it can it can get by, right? They can break the rules. Um, you can report it, but if you really want to make sure that you are not um, serve those kinds of ads, you can upgrade to an adless um, version of whatever social you're on, specifically Tumblr. And so, so that's a little tone deaf to use uh, probably another problematic phrase, but that's, that's um, not being sensitive to accessibility. And so to say you have to pay for curb cuts if you're in a wheelchair, to say that in order to you know, access things, you should be paying for a, a, a separate entrance for somebody who's in a wheelchair. That's exactly what that is kind of equivalent to. And so somebody who we shouldn't have to pay for accessibility, somebody who has any kinds of um, disabilities, especially people who could end up hospitalized because of the issues that are served to them on the web. We shouldn't have to pay for the opportunity to serve to, to use the web without having to have a seizure trigger, for example. And so I think um, that was interesting. And um, Alex Stein was the one who posted that on Twitter. And that's where I saw that was the link to there. And Alex has quite a, um, a long post, a thread on there about why this is problematic. So uh, I listen to Alex a lot. Alex is a blind man who is my accessibility expert and who I ask questions of when I, um, truly need to know and he's always gracious and kind in sharing his wisdom and knowledge with me and when he speaks i listen because he is the person who is such a great um, advocate for not only himself but for others with disabilities as well 
He even reached out to me after I wrote the article last year after my WordCamp US's experience and said, if I ever have problems, come to him because he knows how to navigate these things. <laughs> so thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex, for bringing this up and for sharing. And uh, everybody take heed. We need to, if you are an advertiser, be kind to the people you are serving your ads to and do not use Flash and do not use Strobe and things like that. Um, if, you're creating, if you're creating content at all on Twitter or on TikTok, please be kind to the people who are using the services and make sure that you are not triggering something that is potentially a health issue. I'm going to add that into the the show notes so that people can read it. But it was over on Tumblr. The, yeah, the URL is literally indescribable. Um, but I will add that into our show notes. I realize that we've run over the the time. So apologies to our guests for keeping them longer than, than they thought. Um, thank you to everybody who made a comment. I really appreciate that. There was quite a few nice little comments dropping in. Uh, that's really lovely. Really appreciate it. Of course, goes without saying, thank you to our three guests, Michelle Frechette, Tiffany Bridge, and Christine Clowder. Absolutely brilliant having you all on. That was a fascinating conversation. I genuinely, was good. genuinely enjoyed that. There was a lot of meat on the bones there, wasn't there? Now, here comes the somewhat humiliating bit of every one of these conversations. This is what we do at the end of the show. We all put our hands up and I take a screenshot and then it just is humiliating, basically. <laughs> but that's what you get. So... That's great. I think we've got everybody. Thank you so much. We will be back. Oh, we will be back next week. I'm going to end it now. And uh, yeah, thanks for your comments. And we will see you really soon. Take Bye. it easy. Bye. 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 Bye.